Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. We talk a lot about five-star matches here on my podcast, but what we should be talking about are five-star reviews for SaveWithConrad.com. Just ask James over in Fort Worth, Texas. He says, we just closed a refinance with First Family Mortgage, and we couldn't have been more pleased with the experience. Every team member we worked with, every single person from quote to close moved at lightning speed. We were never waiting on them. Communication from Derek's team was quick, thorough, and accurate. There was never a time where we didn't know where we were in the process. They were our second call this time. They'll be our first call from now on. Folks, we're going to save you some money, and we're going to do a good job doing it. We're licensed in more than 40 states. We're a bunch of wrestling fans. You saw him reference Derek here on my team. That's my cousin. It really is First Family Mortgage. There's a chance you might even talk to my dad, Larry. That's right. My dad's at First Family Mortgage. We want to take care of you. We want our family to help your family save a bunch of cash. We're routinely helping listeners just like you save 60, 70, 80, 90, even $100,000 worth of unnecessary interest. Now, sure, you can plot along through life and say, well, I'm not having trouble making my payments. Hey, man, it ain't about that. It's about keeping more of your own money. You know how much your house payment is. Multiply it by 360. That's how many payments you'll make on a 30-year loan. And that big, scary number you're looking at, well, that's what's called the total of payments. That's what you're actually paying for your house. And you know that's too much. Let me run the numbers for you right now at no cost, no obligation. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But I'm telling you, if you're in a 30-year loan, now is the time. Get out of debt faster, do it with cheaper monthly payments, and do it at SaveWithConrad.com. That's NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? What are you waiting for? SaveWithConrad.com. Love talking about our friend Steven Singer, and I'll tell you the competition must really hate this guy. He just makes the experience of buying a diamond better and better, and he makes it fun. Steven is the very first to offer each and every customer the perfect price. That's right. The perfect price. Have you ever wondered if you're getting the best price? Are you uncomfortable negotiating? Well, head to Steven Singer Jewelers and you're guaranteed to get the perfect price. You'll never pay more than the guy sitting next to you. Here's a little insider tip. Most jewelers mark their merchandise way up just to mark it down to make you feel like you're getting a deal. The guy next to you may be paying less. Do you want the most important purchase of your life to be based on your negotiating skills? That's not the case at Steven Singer because at Steven Singer Jewelers, you're guaranteed to get the perfect price all day, every day, 365 days a year. That's why we trust Steven Singer. He makes the experience of buying a diamond so easy. So check out Steven Singer Jewelers at the other corner of 8th and Walnut in Philly or online at IHateStevenSinger.com. Steven Singer Jewelers, one place, one price. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce Pritchard. Well, you know. That's not a rib. She pooted. She pooted. What a rib. <laughs> 
know you have a big There's no box of gimmicks. Rumor and innuendo. I don't deal in rumor and innuendo. It, it, it. Was he there? I was there. Say something I don't give a shit. <laughs> I ain't scared. I ain't scared to shut him. You, Bruce. Ah, Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? I hate technology. Well, yeah, it took a couple tries to get this one down, but we're excited to be back with you. And Bruce, you, uh, you're looking dapper. You know, we've talked about, uh, do rag Vince here before. Is this do rag Bruce? It's a hat. What's well, backwards. Or are you? Yeah. A- well, because my hair is on backwards today. I didn't know you were a catcher, but that's how yeah. catchers wear their hats. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I have to let Efren know. Well, I'm excited to be here today. We're talking about main event number five. This one went down at the beginning of February, 1991. Of course, we're on the heels of the Royal rumble from 91 and we are knee deep in this, uh, Sergeant slaughter is a turncoat storyline. And we're gonna have some fun with this one today, Bruce. Let's start at the beginning. Uh, this show was taped on January 28th in Macon, Georgia. There's only about 7,500 fans in a 10,000 seat arena. And obviously there were several events being taped that day, but this one is the most high profile. It's an NBC special, uh, right off of the Royal rumble. Let's talk a little bit about the difference. I don't know you've explained it before, but briefly explain the difference between the main event and Saturday night's main event. Well, Saturday night's main event was a 90 minute show that took place late night on Saturday night in the place of Saturday night live on NBC. The main event was a primetime special that would take place in a primetime hour, usually, uh, eight o'clock Eastern, seven o'clock central. Um, and that was usually live as well, but, uh, that's the difference. The other thing that I want to touch on here is I kind of didn't remember this era being this bad for business. And I'm not saying 7,500 fans is bad. I mean, you see what they're doing over with WCW and it's anemic. I mean, they had, uh, their big pay-per-view the following month. We just recently talked about with Jim Ross for wrestle war 91, and they've got like 4,000 fans there for a war games, pay-per-view main event. But here in Macon, Georgia, you're drawing 7,500 fans to a 10,000 seat arena, which we kill off quite a bit of seats for camera kills and what have you as well. And obstructed views. You know, it's always funny how Meltzer always leaves that part out. 
Well, no, this isn't Meltzer. This is just me observing that. Okay. Well, you got to take that into consideration. I'm not, I'm not arguing that I'm, I guess I'm trying to paint a picture that business is not where you hoped it would be in the early part of 91 relative to 90 or 89 or 88 or 87. We've started a downward trend. Can we agree? I think that uh, business was definitely challenging at this point because of just the sentiment and the economy and the uncertainty in our nation at that time. I want your opinion. You know, there is the old cliche, oh, the business is cyclical. And you've sort of poked fun at that before where you said, well, you know, that gas station opened up. How can we compete with that? But at the same time, this is a time where business is down, not only for the WWF, but for WCW, but there's a lot of other stuff going on. Uh, to your point, we are in the middle of a conflict and, um, well, that's probably got people a little skittish about going out to the arenas and people are just in a different state of mind. Do you think that's more of the case or or is it a perfect storm that really led to business coming down a little bit? Again, I think you can point to everything under the sun is to make excuses as to why business is up and or business is down. But I think that this was a time in our country where the economy overall, people were unsure of the future and they were unsure of what was going on, uh, looking at what was going on in the Middle East and just thinking, okay, maybe, uh, we need to buckle down and, and not, I don't know. It it was a weird time. It was just a really weird time. No argument for me on that. I guess I wanted to ask in this era, are you able to look back and say, cause you've often said, Hey, they just didn't want to see it. Like sometimes you try things and for whatever reason, it just doesn't work. And the fans just don't want to see it. Do you think that was the case here with the Sergeant Slaughter storyline? Are you still not convinced of that? You know, I, I, well, obviously they didn't. So, um, you know, argued all day long, obviously they didn't. Not enough people came out to support it. Um, this is one in world times that you have to look at. And there were other things. Uh, but when you look at it, bottom line, yeah, people, not enough people wanted to see it. That's for sure. The show does a 6.7 rating and an 11 share. So it places 74th for the week in primetime ratings. This is indeed the worst rated NBC special. The company has ever done. It winds up being the last main event show ever. And arguably, I think we can probably draw some correlations there. I know you're going to try to poke holes in that, but chat me up. Does this being the worst rating ever cause a situation or some frustration with NBC? Or was it just the end of the contract and you're going out with a whimper? It was more than anything. It was kind of a per deal anyway. And it wasn't necessarily, oh, you've got this five-year, 10-year, three-year, two-year contract. It was a situation where if there was an opportunity to do some of these specials, no different than Saturday night's main event, then we did them. And if it made sense for both sides, I don't think that the, that the ratings on the last one definitely helped anything, but it wasn't like, Oh my God, they fucked up that deal. No, it was just here. was here was an opportunity. And we were also looking at different things on down the line as well. Uh, so it was what it was. I know you don't have, you know, an accounting ledger in front of you, but what was the dynamics of a deal with NBC in this era? Is this, I have no idea. Do you believe it to be something where, you're essentially doing it for the exposure because don't get me wrong. That is 
invaluable real estate to have that type of exposure to that many homes and in prime time, and maybe they're footing the bill for some production costs, or do you think in the end, you know, the company's actually receiving a payday from NBC? I really and truly don't know. I have no idea. I, it wouldn't surprise me either way. I think that the exposure and the opportunity to play to a national broadcast audience is huge. Yeah. And be able to play your major storylines and plug your biggest show of the year is invaluable. So if we, quote, didn't get anything for a rights fee, wouldn't shock me at all. While we're talking about these tapings in Macon, I want to mention that there were a lot of other things that were taped there that night. I think we mentioned that already. One of them involved our beloved Bruce. As Meltzer would write in the newsletter, the brother love character apparently is no more. The story is Bruce Pritchard will concentrate on front office duties from this point forward. They did a brother love segment with the undertaker's contract being sold to a new manager called Paul bearer. who's actually Percy Pringle who plays a mortician with jet black hair. I was told Pringle is incredible in the role as a trivia note in between Pringle stints as a wrestling manager. He once worked as a mortician. So boy, this is a pretty major moment. Uh, did, did you remember, or would you have ever guessed that this happened in Macon, Georgia, or does something about that set of tapings really stand out? Holy cow. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I've, nothing about Macon, Georgia really stood out. Um, not that I don't love Georgia. Yeah. Um, but no, good Lord, man. That's, that's funny when you go back and you look at where things took place and, and the significance and or non-significance of them, but it was time and it was a decision that I made. Uh, I was given the choice and decided that I wanted to focus more backstage. And I also, you know, in the undertaker character knew that that character needed someone on the road with him full time for that package to really work. Um, and I've said it before and I'll say it again, that Paul bearer, the character was a much better manager for undertaker than brother love. Yeah, no doubt. What can you tell us about that creative, that particular segment? It's not going to appear on the show. We're talking about it was another set of tapings the same day in the same arena, but not a part of main event. Take us back to that segment where you sold the contract to Paul bearer. Well, I didn't sell the contract. That's old wrestling shit. I basically needed the undertaker needed someone to care for him and needed someone to devote their entire life to the undertaker and to the care of the undertaker who better than Paul bear and brother love had so much more to do by spreading the word of love that he couldn't devote just to one person and he had to spread his love and his message of love that I love you to everyone and the taker could not take all my love. That let's, would be selfish. Let's play a little bit of the audio here for everybody to hear.
brother bearer. Oh, it's full of happy faces, aren't we? Oh, I'll say. Come sure. on. We're going to WrestleMania here, folks. Russian Let roulette, know. anybody? Give me a break. Yeah. Yeah. What's this guy's name that's going to... Bearer. 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 I don't know. So there you go. The debut of Paul bearer. I don't know that I would have remembered that that happened in January of 91. Uh, Meltzer would write. There's a difference between doing away with a character and personal humiliation. And if you saw the brother love burial, you'd know the difference. I don't see that as a burial at all. What, what do you make of that report from Dave? Other than he's a douchebag, I don't know. Oh man. No, I don't know. I mean, you tell me he's the one that wrote it. I have no idea what his, what his thing is. I, I loved doing the thing with Paul bear. Um, I actually liked doing the thing other than he broke my neck, uh, <laughs> doing the deal with ultimate warrior. So, you know, again, from someone who has never been in the business, who doesn't understand the business and or actually ever had to create something that drew money and or didn't draw money, uh, you know, that's the kind of shit you get from somebody that just sits back in their messy little room and type on a typewriter. Okay. Let's talk a little bit about, I mean, I I don't know what that means. I can you, can you tell me? Nope. You said you didn't have a response. So I was just moving on if that's allowed. I mean, but can you tell me what he meant by, uh, by that comment? How was that a burial? How was that humiliate personal humiliation? Thinking about the high interest rate credit cards you used over the holidays. When it comes to refinancing your credit cards, you have options. But only Lightstream was ranked number one by J.D. Power for customer satisfaction with personal loans. For J.D. Power 2020 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Lightstream's credit card consolidation loans start at just 5.95% APR with auto pay and excellent credit. You could save thousands in interest. You could even get your money as soon as the day you apply. Apply today for a credit card consolidation loan from the company J.D. Power ranked number one for customer satisfaction in personal loans. Plus, get an additional interest rate discount at lightstream.com slash wrestle. That's L-I-G-H-T-S-T-R-E-A-M dot com slash wrestle. Subject to credit approval, rates range from 5.95% APR to 19.99% APR and include a half a percent auto pay discount. Lowest rate requires excellent credit. Terms and conditions apply and offers are subject to change without notice. Visit lightstream.com slash wrestle for more information. How excited was the real life bill Moody to be on the brother love show in the big time under the bright lights of WWE. I mean, this is his biggest break of his career at this point, right? I mean, he'd been around wrestling, done a lot of cool stuff, but this is pretty big time stuff. Was that the burial putting Paul bear in a character that would last him for another 30 years. Okay. I thought he he loved it. I found something interesting on January 21st, 1991. 
Uh, Madison square garden has a, uh, a house show here and Tito Santana is going to defeat Coco beware. And in the notes, it says that Coco actually tried turning heel during the match. I don't remember ever seeing Coco work as a heel on WBF television. As far as you recall, were you guys experimenting with maybe doing something different with Coco? Nah, maybe it's just been a one night deal. Let's have some fun. Oh, Let's have some go. fun with the match or make the house show live events a little bit different. It was reported on February 25th that Mike Rotundo would be coming in after his March new Japan tour ends. As we all know, of course, he's going to assume the IRS gimmick and that's probably what he's most well known for even to this day, but he had been around for a while. He had been with the company before he had had several stints with the NWA. What was it about Mike Rotunda that appealed to Vince or was it, Hey, I have this gimmick and now I need to find a guy to pull it off. No, I think that, you know, Mike had had a couple different stints in WWE with Barry Windham as his tag team partner and Dan Spivey, um, at different times, Mike was a hell of a worker, big guy. And for whatever reason, Mike had left the company before. I don't think that it was any animosity or, or any bad blood whatsoever. And Mike had worked in the Southern, um, worked in Florida, worked in Georgia, and was looking to come back, looking to do something different and just kind of thinking about different characters and different ways to introduce Mike that would be different than, Hey, here's Mike Rotunda. Um, and Erwin R. Scheister was born. What a great character. I hope we do a whole profile on him one day. The new primetime wrestling format debuted on February 18th. The quote unquote live matches that were advertised turned out to be arena tapes. They were taped before a live audience. Uh, and the highlight, according to Meltzer was Bobby Heenan's inability to fix his fly. How hilarious is that, that Bobby could take something so elementary and turn it into a, a big time TV gag. Well, and again, again, I think there's a, a huge misconception as far as live matches advertised. The show was live from the studio in Stanford. Right. That part was live and that's how it was billed. It was billed live from Stanford, Connecticut in the studios of the WWE. So it was never billed as live matches. Um, it was to do something with a, with a live studio crowd. what do you think of this new look of the show? This is the all new primetime wrestling, a total rebranding of the original. Of course, for years and years, we were treated with gorilla monsoon and Bobby, the brain Heenan at a desk shot. And you've, you've acknowledged before that that was really the first show you were working on for the company, right? The original primetime. The original primetime and the original all American were my first two shows. Now here we've got a totally different presentation. We've got a live crowd. We've got skits with wrestlers and occasionally Vince McMahon and some sort of Zubaz type or bum gear or whatever it was called. It's called zero boogie. There you go. Zero boogie. Um, tell me the, the thinking in the, the change of the set design here. I mean, it feels a little bit more like, uh, a sitcom or a Saturday night live setup, as opposed to the traditional, maybe more, um, reserved desk setup. Well, the idea was really a live audience and, and getting live reaction to things that you do be able to bring in talent to interact with the audience in different ways to introduce talent in, in a different setting. And the, I think that the behind the desk, primetime set and all that had become dated and become old 
and just looking for something different, something new, and a different way to present the product. So live studio audience, and bring them in and knock them out. There's another story around this same time that Vince McMahon had the 900 number commercials for other wrestling hotlines pulled from his USA network shows and it agreed to start a Hulk Hogan 900 line, which is probably going to do pretty well. I remember the Hulk Hogan hotline, but I didn't remember watching back then and seeing other folks advertising a 900 wrestling hotline. Do you even remember those? Was that all Bill after stuff or what was that? I think so. I think it was, I think it was like the, the after and, and just kind of rag magazines at the time that had their, you know, call now for the latest dirt on a huge star that Jim just that kind yeah. of bullshit. The same day the event we're talking about took or aired was February 1st. You guys were actually running a show at the Richfield Coliseum. And you had slaughter and warrior in a cage on top. The rockers were working with demolition undertaker with tugboat Duggan with Sheik Adnan Piper with perfect boss man and Haku nasties with bushwhackers. This is my childhood right here. Do you look back fondly in, in 1991? I mean, I know that just a few months after this, you're going to be giving your no, walking papers. I don't. <laughs> well, that's what I'm asking is, are you behind the scenes? Um, are you sort of clashing with folks or what's going on with Bruce in, in early February, 1991? Well, I was miserable and I, you know, I always try to tell my kids and I try to tell everybody, you can make anything out of anything. You can make things work. It really is truly up to you. Should you choose to? Now, sometimes you may choose not to make it work and you can work against things. And I think I was working against things. I was unhappy um, at the studio. I, I thought that by committing full time that that would bring a change to things. And really all it did was probably make me more miserable. Um, and I, I, I fought. I fought against the grain. I fought against everything, every change. I fought against um, almost every decision. And I think that my, my mood and my tone was, was very negative during that time. So there's only, you know, there's only so much that anybody can take of, of negativity or, and, and what have you. Um, I had in my mind, I think an invincibility that you, what are they going to do? Fire me? They can't fire me. By God, I'm Bruce Pritchard. How, <laughs> how, how the fuck can any of this go on if I'm not here? Right. You know? Um, so I just, um, I was doing my stuff. I still, you know, look, I still love producing. I still love working with talent. I loved working with Vince. I didn't love working with John. Um, I, I didn't, I didn't enjoy that part of it at all. And, uh, flip, I think just gave me everything under the sun that he knew I would hate and I would go do it. And then Vince would wonder why I wasn't doing the other stuff. So, uh, I was in a no win situation, but I didn't do everything I could have done to make it better and to make it work. So yes, I was miserable. Do you think this was your attitude and your demeanor and your approach here 
was how much of that was just immaturity? A lot of it. Uh, I think that it was an awful lot and awful very quickly, um, was put in a position at a very young age to, Hey, here you go, kid, uh, not having a clue in many respects, what the hell I was doing in certain aspects of the business and (laughs) put in a prominent spot. You're a big star on television. You're making more money than you ever dreamed of in your life at the time. And shit, what, you know, on top of the world. And you just think it's never, ever going to end. So why the fuck should you change? Um, and I, I just, uh, yeah, I was extremely immature and, and arrogant and, and just very, uh, all knowing and found out pretty quickly that, Hey, they kept, you know what, Conrad, what really fucked me? They kept going after they fired me. I thought, for I thought sure they'd, they'd sh- have to shut the doors. Yeah. Fold up tent. Let's go. Yeah. Okay. You sure you want to do this? By God, but was what it was. Let's talk about, uh, about that for archives in the, <laughs> yeah, we have a whole episode on that in the archives of something to wrestle.com. Okay. The cat's out of the bag. Now I can go ahead and share uh, Christmas man. It was a hit at my house and it was all because of paint your life.com. Uh, Megan actually got her dad, a very special painting done. I don't want to give a spoiler here, but I'm sure he'll post it eventually. It was incredible, but I also got my mom, a painting of her dad, uh, my grandfather. And I got my dad, a painting of his mom, my grandmother, of course, but I have uh, two very special cousins who are like uh, little brothers to me and they lost their dad this past year. So I found a picture of all three of them together. I sent it over to paintyourlife.com and boom, we had a very special painting done to honor their dad, my uncle, uh, but I'm still not done. I got Megan, a giant I mean, a giant painting done, uh, from our wedding and now it's hanging in our dining room. I'm, I'm saying all of this to say paintyourlife.com is not just a sponsor here for something to wrestle. It's something that is now fully ingrained in my family. And I want to mention I paid for my paintings, but I got a great deal because I used a promo code wrestle. All I had to do was text the word wrestle to 64,000. That's wrestle to 64,000. And I was able to get 20% off my painting and you can do that too. Now, what might you need in your life? Cause you know, Christmas is in the rear view mirror. How about a, a little special Valentine's day gift? What about a graduation present? What about an anniversary present? These are meaningful and powerful presents. It's not a gift card. It's not a tie. It's not socks. It's not, you know, the latest technology that will be outdated in six months or whatever the latest fad is that no one will ever remember. If your family hasn't been able to be together like they might normally be together, this is the way to go. This is, uh, it's incredible, the emotion involved in unwrapping one of these. And in hindsight, I should have recorded it because it was a tearjerker, man. Everybody has something special in their life that they miss, and paintyourlife.com can make it happen. They can even, and I've seen some folks tag me on social media who heard me talk about this. They can even put family members together who never met. So maybe you had a grandfather or a grandmother who passed away and they never got a chance to meet their grandkids, but you can make it happen at paintyourlife.com. In fact, the guy at the office had that exact same situation. His dad passed away a year ago. So this past Christmas, uh, he had a picture of his newborn 
uh, in the arms of his dad done from paintyourlife.com and he gave it to his mom this is a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price you choose from a team of world-class artists you work with them until every detail is perfect they've got an easy user-friendly platform that allows you to get this custom-made hand-painted portrait process started in less than five minutes and by the way it's quick and easy you're going to get the hand-painted portrait in about three weeks and you can send any picture yourself your children your family a special place a cherished pet they can even combine photos i cannot stress how big of a deal this is in my family and in my circle we are big believers in paint your life and i I want you to try it out man it's perfect for birthdays or anniversaries or wedding gifts but if you're looking for something meaningful if you're looking for something personal if you're looking for something that'll be cherished forever it's paintyourlife.com And by the way, at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money's refunded, guaranteed. And right now, as a limited time offer, you can get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping. To get this special offer, just text the word WRESTLE to 64000. That's WRESTLE to 64000. Text WRESTLE to 64000. Paint your life and celebrate the moments that matter most. Terms apply. Available at paintyourlife.com forward slash terms. Again, text WRESTLE. To 64,000. Let's talk about the February 11th show in New Haven. A 21 year old fan is so fired up. He loves the ultimate warrior and he hates Sergeant slaughter. He not only gets past the guardrails, he climbs over the cage to get in the ring to help out warriors. He's being triple teamed. Of course, he winds up being arrested for a breach of peace and possession of drug paraphernalia, and then gets charged with failure to appear. But the fan jumped on the back of one of the nasty boys and is flung down as the cops and Pat Patterson enter the cage to drag him out. I've heard of fans jumping in the ring before. We've even seen some instances during watch alongs, but climbing the cage, my goodness, where was security that night? Huh? God damn. It's heat motherfucker. I tell you the craziest, the craziest thing that I ever saw a fan in a cage match was Gino Hernandez and Jose Lothario in Houston, Texas, inside of a cage. And the cage they used was basically a four-sided cyclone fence. Okay. And it had a crossbar uh, to to hold everything up there. And the guy hurdled me. I was at ringside uh, ring announcing. The guy hurdled me and got onto the cage and got onto that crossbar and started climbing over. Well, Gino Hernandez sees this, and Gino climbs the cage on the other side, meets the guy at the top, and just starts waylaying on this guy. The guy slipped so that now he's in between the cyclone fence and the crossbar. And when he slipped, he hooked his knee and fell backwards. And there he is right in front of me um, in Houston's Finest. And Houston's finest proceeded to make this guy uh, have second thoughts about ever leaving his seat. Not that he would have ever been sold the ticket again, but uh, holy shit. It was just so absurd that the guy's leaning backwards with his knee and legs hooked into the cage while the cops are trying to drag him out and think he's resisting, which he was. And he was swinging to, um, but there was nowhere for him to go. And it was one of the craziest damn things I'd ever seen. That's awesome. 
the business here is actually doing pretty good on the house show circuit. It's usually dominated by Hulk Hogan earthquake stretcher matches and it's working 11,000 in Calgary, 10,000 in Pittsburgh, 14,000 in the Nassau Coliseum in this era. Are you thinking about, or are you actually beefing up security because of this Sergeant slaughter thing? Or when does that become a real concern? Sarge had security really from the beginning of the gimmick, and it was a very touchy and, and controversial gimmick. And people that would take it a little more seriously than what it was designed for entertainment. Um, yeah, Sarge had some extra security for sure. Let's talk about uh, something in Variety Magazine. I know you're going to get pissed off here, but this is the reason I wanted to do this topic. According to Variety Magazine, NBC knew about Titan's plan to burn an American flag on the primetime special and would not allow it. Uh, Meltzer would write the NBC, NBC special, which was preempted in the Los Angeles market will air on KNBC at 3 PM this coming Sunday afternoon. The show was preempted because of breaking news of a plane crash. If the LA market had been included in the rating and done the national average, the rating would have only been up to a 6.8. Uh, but either way though, the real story coming out of this is the idea that you were going to burn an American flag. Try me up here at 100% false to do it on this NBC, NBC special, 100% false. So you're not denying that there was a plan to do it. You're denying that it was, there was, there was discussion to do it at Royal rumble. I got you. There was never discussion and there was no plan at all to do it on NBC in any way, shape or form. That's just, that's just made up horseshit that, you know, people reading the, the dirt rags and the made up bullshit, just saying that, Oh, I heard they were going to do this or I heard they were going to do that. Um, there was a lot of discussion about doing it because it was legal and as I've stated before, it was Jesse Ventura who came to us with the idea that said, hey, it's legal to burn the flag. And recently, it had made the news of people burning the flag in protest. Right. So it's it was like, okay, well, shit, you know, is this something that, that Slaughter would do to get heat? Obviously, cooler heads, better judgment prevailed. And... It was decided, you know, not the kind of heat that we want, regardless of whether it's legal or not, regardless of whether it's accepted. And all that footage (laughs) was definitely on NBC. But no, we never uh, in this that that's a that's a falsehood. And that's people telling stories. The the one time that we considered would we do it um, was at the Royal rumble. And then we did the the next best thing. We, we burned something that was much more, you know, uh, to a wrestling fan and a Hulkamaniac, which is where you wanted it to go. So you took something that meant something to them and burnt their symbol, which was the Hulk, you know, t-shirt. Yeah. Um, nowhere, you know, doesn't compare anywhere near the American flag. So, you know, that's, that's how we got there. But the, that's just fabrication. I'm I'm just curious because, and don't get me wrong. I believe you, but I'm just saying in terms of it's the lowest rated and allegedly, I mean, there was a rumor 
that you guys were going to try to burn a flag. I would see why NBC would say, Oh, the juice ain't worth the squeeze here. Would you disagree with that assessment at the time? Or why did the relationship come to an end here? It wasn't good ratings. And again, I think it had just run its course, right. but nobody burnt the flag. Right. And do you, do you think that because of Dave Meltzer's 300 readers or whatever the fuck he had at the time, his rumor would get a major network. And that, unfortunately, that, that, that's not the, no, no, that that's variety magazine. That's not okay. Well, variety magazine and a rumor. We, you know, again, we had a relationship that had nothing to do with it. We didn't do it. There was no reason to do that. It's just completely false. So, you know, if, if the rumor was that, Hey man, you know, every mortgage company in the world is going to increase their rates by 17 points tomorrow. Right. By God, I've heard, I heard that everybody. And even if you've already got a locked in rate at two and a half percent, it's going to 17% tomorrow. And if you don't pay, they're going to take your home. Well, the difference if being, I had a dirt sheet, wrote that out, and some people believed it. Then, does that make it real? Well, I mean, I think it's one of those where there's smoke, there's fire type deals because the relationship comes to an end. Uh, what do you remember about this the show? Relationship came to an end because again, it was a, it was a one by one relationship. It wasn't a long term. Hey, we've, we've committed to 15 main events. I'm not arguing that, but I'm saying at this point, after they see this show, they're like, nope, that's enough. Right. How you know, they didn't do it before the show. Well, I'm asking you, that's the reason we do this show. But uh, my point, my point is this, another offer came along. Fox came along and right. people started bidding on it. That's why the relationship ended. You had other people that were willing to pay more money and offer you different things. Was the relationship strained between Ebersol and Vince here? I don't think so. Okay. No, no, actually, absolutely not. Let's also talk about, um, well, before we talk about the event itself, I do want to talk about your confidence level on the heels of this poor rating, because you look back at two years, you look back at WrestleMania five and my God, Hulk Hogan and macho man said every pay-per-view record, it was unbelievable. And then you follow up and you think this is going to be the next big thing. Hogan's going to pass the torch to the ultimate warrior. You go baby face versus baby face. It's in a dome. Uh, it's a huge event at, at the sky dome, uh, sort of their big kickoff. It feels like a major show, especially to me as a kid, it's still my favorite WrestleMania, but then the pay-per-view buys, they're just not really there. So, Hey, maybe the solution is we don't need baby faces versus baby faces. We need a heel, need a heel. Uh, Vince would say WrestleMania is still going to do. I said, Vince, Dave writes WrestleMania is still going to do big business. It may even do better on pay-per-view than last year. The price charged is the same and they do have a heel this year, which is probably the main factor in last year's pay-per-view disappointment. But the profit ratio on pay-per-view is much lower than that from the live gate. And if the ratings lead to a weakening of Titans position with NBC over the long haul, it wasn't worth it. Did you feel like, all right, we're going to be, I don't even know. I guess I should ask at this point, did you know, Hey, we're going to be moving the show from the Coliseum to the arena. By this point, so this is post. This is early February. Rumble. Yeah. 
Um, March 24th is the show date. Yeah, but I'm just, it was going into rumble. We were still in the, we were still in the stadium. Yes. And I don't think that we made that decision till probably this week or shortly the the week after. And it, it had nothing to do with ratings. It had to do with poor ticket sales, but more than anything, it had to do with security going, looking at the government and security wise and having this giant open air stadium that was damn near impossible to secure to the, to the standards that you would have needed to secure a major event like that. If we were to draw 100,000 people, which was what we were hoping for, um, we, we couldn't have secured it. We couldn't have secured it on our own. And at the time, government agreed they they didn't want to secure the Super Bowl, for fuck's sake. They did. They ended up doing it. But it's just, um, yeah, you know, it, it was an ungodly, ungodly number and an ungodly task because you had to build, you know, uh, secure fencing completely around the perimeter. You had to have helicopters. You had you had to have just everything under the sun that was just not a feat that we could pull off on our own. It's worth mentioning the Super Bowl aired just a few days before this main event would, and of course everybody remembers the Giants and the Bills. But I think what everyone remembers even more is Whitney Houston singing the Star Spangled Banner. I mean, it's still probably the gold standard for that sort of thing. And that's just a few days before this. So it gives you an idea of the patriotism that was sort of in the air. Bruce says there's no box of gimmicks, but there is box the official store of something to wrestle and all of ad free shows. You can get shirts, hoodies, posters, mugs, and more. One of the best ways to show your support is to rock gear for something to wrestle from box you can also pick up a shirt from BrucePritchard.com. Remember, put a T on your back, not in his name. Let's talk about the event itself. Uh, I guess now's as good a time of any. We're actually going to do a bit of a, uh, a watch along here. So fire up your WWE network, scoot on over to in ring or actually, you know what? Just do what I did. Click the search bar and type in main event number five, you know, like hashtag five. And there it is, February 1st, 1991. It's only 48 minutes, uh, but from here on out, we're going to go ahead and watch and get some insight from Bruce. Uh, Bruce, I'm ready when you are, so give us a countdown, and when you say play, we'll press play. All right, I'm going to say three, two, one. then I'm going to say that word. So here we go in three, two, one, play. I guess i got to turn my thing down. <laughs> Yeah. Turn your thing down. So it says USO tour here and we see, uh, Hulk signing Hulk, a missile and autographing at Hulkster. Is this at a, an air force base? What do you think this is here? Yeah. He, he did stuff all, he did Walter Reed. He did shit all over the place. He was doing the whole USO tour gig during this time. Army bases, air force bases, you name it. It's pretty crazy that. You guys have doubled down on this this way, and he's making all of those appearances. Oh, we got to listen to this. Oh, 
Is that a Jim Johnston song? I love that song. Well, you made me turn it down, Conrad. <laughs> Is it a Jim Johnston song? Do you think? I don't know. I can't hear it. Okay, cool. It's over now. I thought oh. you could hear my feed. We do on zoom. No, I can't not. hear your feed. You cut me off whenever you do that. Okay, fine. Hush your mouth. Uh, so here's uh Vince looking dapper. Got the, he shot the cuffs and the whole deal. Got his pocket square. Like he likes it. Not a hair out of place. And there's your boy, Roddy. how do you think Roddy did as a, a co-commentator here for Vince for these shows was ever saw happy with his performance. Nah, you know, look, everybody loved Jesse. Everybody got, was used to Jesse. And I think there was a comfort with Jesse at, at, at the time, you know, before this, and there just was that level of everybody compared, no matter who you put in that role. They compared him to, to Jesse Ventura. So I thought that Roddy, when you go back and you look at color commentators of yesteryear, when Roddy was color commentator for Georgia Championship Wrestling with Gordon Soley, it's just Rod Piper. I thought he was the best color man in the business that I'd ever heard and just added so much to it. Here, being a baby face and trying to be hot Rod, if you will. Um, I don't know that he was as good as the heel just kind of laid back, not having an issue with anybody. Hot rod. Meltzer was pretty critical. Oh, here we come. Look at that shot. Tell me how you describe that shot. Do you have a, like, I've heard people say, oh, that's the hero shot or that's this shot or that shot. But when you're shooting a heel really low from behind internally, is there a name for that? No. When you shoot him real low from the front, that's an Andre shot. Oh, there you go. Because you want, again, you want them to, you got a really big bastard and you can get down and you're looking up at them, making them look even larger than life. That's right. a beautiful shot. So Earthquake's in the ring here, along with Dino Bravo and uh, Jimmy Hart. And here comes Tugboat. Boy, this Tugboat gear, this is regrettable in hindsight, isn't it? <sighs> Man. Yeah, you know, I, I just, uh, maybe I grew up a little differently, but uh, just my heroes were never really tugboats. Nope. I never really wanted to be a tugboat operator. Never really wanted to go out and watch the old tugboats tug the things in. Did Vince just really love the creative? I mean, you're sort of poking fun at it like you were never a fan. How did this get on TV? I think that Vince looked at him and saw this massive mass of humanity and thought he looked like a tugboat and just, you know, the, the power of a tugboat that is, is unbelievable. So, you know, they've got that going for it. Just not my cup of tea. We're starting the show off hot. Hulk Hogan coming to the ring here, man. What a time to be a wrestling fan. Those little Americans going to do brother. Yeah, let's go. Wait a minute, that turned off Hulkster and ended up macho. Yeah, first part Hulkster, last part macho. Passing out the American flags, those little baby American flags to the crowd. Really, really nice touch. Good for y'all. Well, we're in goddamn America. Okay, you don't have to cuss it. Well, I ain't cussing it, it's just goddamn America. Right. I'm proud to be an American. Or at least I know I'm free. Hey, so... Meltzer says that, uh, you guys came under some criticism 
for doing the USO tour. And allegedly you had some folks respond to that criticism by saying it wasn't done for promotion or PR. Uh, it was legitimately the company trying to give back. And then of course we opened with the package of Hulk doing exactly that. In hindsight, should that have been criticized or are people just, you know, again, shit face is going to criticize any and everything that, that is done. Um, and, and try to ha- put some kind of negative spin on it. I'm sure that, uh, all of the, uh, tribute to the troops, I'm sure that he'll find something to, to criticize when in reality, uh, he has no clue the amount of commitment and what we've done for the military throughout the years and that it's done to give back to the people that keep us safe over here. So fuck Dave Meltzer for his fucking shit comments and go fuck himself. That I mean deeply from the heart, that kind of shit. Cause he has no clue, no idea. You know, in these shows, a lot of times we talk about what's a work and what's a shoot. Well, check out this five-star review that Robert from Vancouver, Washington left us at SaveWithConrad.com. My husband and I worked with Derek for our refi. Derek was incredibly responsive and helped this complicated process easy to manage and understand. The team at first family could teach a master class on first rate customer service. We're going to pay our house off in half the time. And we're paying just a little bit more per month at a much better rate. This is a huge win for us. Thanks, Derek, Conrad, and the rest of the First Family Gang. If you're not working with Conrad, you're getting worked. Don't get worked. Pay your house off in half the time and do it with roughly the same monthly payment. And by the way, if you've got credit card debt, we can make it go away just like that. And you don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket to do this. So what are you waiting for? Let us run the numbers for you at no cost and no obligation. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Come on, get you some of that at savewithconrad.com. WBF spokesman Steve Planamenta issued a news release pointing out that Hulk Hogan, by visiting several military bases, quote, is doing his part to ensure that morale remains high among family members of military personnel in the Persian Gulf, end quote. The fact that Hulk is still holding up signs proclaiming Saddam and Slaughter will both surrender, end quote, and that Hogan's opponent at WrestleMania just happens to wave the enemy's flag is purely a coincidence. Of course, Hulk is making this tour because he's a very nice man. If it happens to sell tickets to WrestleMania, that's just something the WWF will have to learn to live with. So heavy sarcasm here from Mr. Meltzer. Uh, we should also mention that in this era, the other channel had to clash of the champions and dusty Rhodes gave a big speech and, uh, he was critical of that as well. I don't know, man. In hindsight, it feels like everybody who had an opinion in the wrestling business was anti this whole angle or storyline. Well, it sounds like Meltzer's anti-American the, oh, by, by his comments. It sounds like he's just anti-American and anti-military and anti-supporting his country. That's what it sounds like to me with his comments. It's interesting on this show. It, it, you don't mention where you're from, uh, on the show. So you don't say, uh, we're here live in Macon, Georgia. Is that perceived as being small time? Do you think? I mean, if you're in Chicago or LA or New York, you, you certainly mentioned it, but there's no way we're here in Macon, Georgia. Well, we're here in the South. Yeah, that's true. The South is bigger. It is. Yeah. God bless the South. 
This match Maryland. we're watching now, it's Hogan and Tugboat taking on Earthquake and Dino Bravo. They go eight minutes and 56 seconds. Uh, Hogan's going to pin Bravo with a schoolboy. Uh, most of the match is Tugboat versus Earthquake, so Meltzer would call it largely pathetic. Of course, any match with Hogan is going to have good heat. So in some ways, the match wasn't horrible, and he gave it one star. Boy, the crowd is hot for him here. We mentioned that there's a lot of tapings happening at this very show. Um, would you have started with main event here or do you finish with it? No, we probably, probably would have been in the middle. Okay. Start with some, get some in your belt, get some in your belly, in your gutlet, and then do the main event and then, uh, take her on home. You know, I want to ask this because we just covered Royal rumble 91 and we almost get like a tease from tugboat at the rumble that he might attack Hulkster, but Hulk winds up eliminating him. And then we, we see him tagging here, but there's really no payoff here. Was there other creative considered for this match? This feels like this would have been a great time for tugboat to turn and you know, triple team Hogan and do what? I mean, that's, that's the problem you run into It's we were, we were in, in Sarge mode right. and, and that's where we're going at this point. It's, it's just, uh, I guess for those that felt that the only way for it to work is for Hogan to have someone turn on him, which if you know, you go back and you look at the Orndorfs and you look at, uh, Savage, um, shit like that, that his friends turn on him then people I think were just looking for it. And at one time that was, that was an idea that was pitched. I just bring it up because I remember you saying when we talked about it at the rumble episode, a couple of weeks ago, you were like, well, Vince just wanted to have it in his back pocket just in case. Now you always like to have shit in your back pocket. You don't see it's in my back pocket. I hope it's not actual shoot shit. Oh, well, okay. I guess you don't want to see it. I don't don't want to see it then. Yeah. Uh, lots of questions, uh, from our listeners on the show here, Craig wants to know why the name tugboat. I can't remember if Hulk coined that name in an interview or if he was just tugboat from the start. He was tugboat from the start. I believe he was, he was, uh, God damn. Do you have a last name? I don't think so. I think he was just tugboat. It, yeah. If he was like tugboat Thompson, I mean, that would be cool. Right. Tugboat Thompson. <laughs> you know, actually, do you have a strike, uh, like. Oh, I could do it for Halloween for sure. Could you? You actually, you could pull that off. Yeah. You and Big Fred could be twins. We could be the twin tugboats. Hmm. Tugboat Ottman, Tugboat Thompson. I don't know about that. Um, trying yeah. to help. No, I appreciate that. To, to give me an, an idea of what you think it might have sounded like when Vince is first explaining the character or pitching the idea to Fred Ottman. God damn, look at you. Look at you. You're such a fucking huge. Like a goddamn, you, 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 you can move mountains like a huge ship, like a fucking tugboat and take them. You know, you got that fucking one tugboat that's the strongest boat in the fucking water. That's you. A tugboat. <laughs> the strongest boat in the WWF ring. Yeah, and it's tugboat. I think he's the only boat at that time. I'm not sure we had too many like carnival cruise liners or anything like that. Did 
Jimmy Hart, how valuable was he here to the organization in 91? I mean, you talk about a guy wearing a lot of hats, working his ass off. Jimmy Hart's on that list, is he not? Jimmy Hart is one of the hardest working men in show business, just period. And <laughs> Jimmy never takes a day off. I don't think Jimmy takes a, a second off. He's always working and always moving and always doing something, regardless of what the hell it is. And, you know, a bundle of energy. Never drank, never done drugs. Um, you know, likes his grilled cheese sandwiches and beans. He likes beans. Sterling and Pink. Would, and, if he, and if he still had a tiki bar, what would he have? <laughs> He'd have cold <laughs> beer and cans, baby. Everybody knows that. Everybody knows that. And NFL Sunday ticket. He was you know once it. telling everybody here in Huntsville, they needed to come down and watch the, all the NFL games at his place. It's just a 17 hour drive. No big deal. Well, because he had ice cold beer on you know, in cans and here's the difference folks. For those of you that are going what the fuck, man, you know, cold beer is cold beer. No, no, there is a difference between cold beer and ice cold beer. I agree. Ice cold beer is the bomb. It's just colder. It's on ice. Do you prefer I'm just asking, do you prefer bottles or cans for your beers? Bottles. I'm a can guy. I'm a bottle guy. Um, Sterling asked a question. I think a lot of people want to know Hogan Pendino Bravo with a big boot and a roll up. What's up with that? Whew. Okay. First of all, let me explain something to you. Okay. The match is Hulk and tugboat. That's right against earthquake and Dino. Yes. Do I really need to say more? Well, in my head, it feels like it would have been leg drop Jones. Yeah. Well, it should have been, <laughs> it definitely, definitely should have been. I'll tell you that right now. I just, I, I, yeah, it's when you sit here and you look at this card, I mean, maybe this card is the reason we never went back to NBC for a long time. Who knows? There's the hot tag blocking it right away. Dino's fixing to get the business. Fucking A's. Well, he should have. There it Bam. is. Look at that. Well, because it was there. So he just took the opportunity. So I'm sorry. Now, you know, after watching the crowd, there, you, you got to look at it. The opportunity was there. Conrad. Look at the crowd. They're going banana. They went banana. They're still going banana. The big tugger. I mean, that's a big son of a bitch, man. Oh yeah. I mean, you can see when he's standing next to Hogan, he dwarfs him. Yeah. Yeah. Tugboat is a big son of a bitch, man. It's just, I, I think that, you know, if anything, when you, you look through the, the history books and people will say, well, God damn, you know what happened? We talk about, I think that Fred be, may be guilty of just being one of those nice guys. That was too nice. Yeah. Cause you won't find a sweeter human being than a nicer guy. No, I totally agree. Yeah. But, thank, know, but thankfully he's going to get brother. Oh, let's track it here. Here. The macho man. Ever. And I'm the number one contender for the title. And I don't care who tonight wins the title between Sergeant Slaughter and the ultimate warrior. Cause I got a commitment. Yeah. From Sergeant Slaughter saying that if he wins the title, I'm the number one contender. Macho, come on. So of course we're recapping what happened at rumble 91 while we're waiting on that. I do want to ask Aaron. Sheik actually asks. Did you ever have a conversation with anyone from NBC or Dick Ebersol about the Iraqi angle? I didn't speak to anybody at NBC back in those days. Okay. 
Uh, Lenny wants to know the AWA, by the way, shout out to Lenny Bakken, uh, our official money guy here. I say official. I mean, he's not sponsoring the show or anything, but Lenny Bakken he did in the early days, but Lenny Bakken has done a good job, uh, investing some of, uh, that sweet, sweet WWE money for you. Right. Lenny Bakken does a great job investing all my money. He's a good guy. Very trustworthy. Shout out to Lenny. Look him up on Twitter. If you haven't already, he's a good follow. Anyway, he has a question here. The AWA was officially dead at this point, but when the WWF signed slaughter and Adnan in the summer of 90, the AWA was in the middle of the team challenge series and slaughter was a team captain. Did Bruce ever hear from either of them, how Vern Gagne reacted to losing them? I mean, obviously it's the dying days, but well, I, yeah, yeah. I'm hearing about it for the first time. I Sarge came to us. I don't know if Sarge was working for anybody or doing anything at the time when Sarge came to us in the summer and Adnan, same thing. I, I, if Adnan had been working for them, nobody knew, um, Adnan was one of those guys that had been in the business forever. He started, he went to the uh, University of Oklahoma, I believe, uh, as a wrestler. And Paul Bosch is the one who, who got him in there. But it had been around for a long time and just uh, a guy that people genuinely liked and always thought of. Look at Fondly. Look at Sherry planking here. Macho took care of her. What a spot, man. That was a big time move for 1991. Yeah, Sherry, I, I, Sherry delivered everything great. Sherry was absolutely awesome talent. You can tell right here, Randy definitely used to play baseball because he's going to bat about a swing. Woof. I bet you. Uh-huh. Yeah. There you go. That's one. I'm looking for my receipt, but here's going to be the first one. Yeah. I bet you enjoy seeing Warrior get smashed in the head like that, don't you? thought that was a great little smash. An incredible smash. And that's all she wrote. Sergeant Slaughter, your new world champion. And we're going to hear from Sheik Adnan here. I'm going to track this. And I come one respect for the nation champion. Sergeant Slaughter. Sergeant Slaughter, we've just seen exactly how you came to be the World Wrestling Federation champion. You showed no regard for fair play. You employed questionable tactics. Questionable tactics? Listen up, you puke. It doesn't matter how I came into power. It doesn't matter what devices I used to become the World Wrestling Federation champion. The only thing that matters is that I am the World Wrestling Federation champion. Now, in the past, other champions all played by the same rules. Well, we're not played by those rules anymore. Now we're played by the new rule, my rule. And you may think they're unconventional. You may think they're unnecessary. You may even think they're brutal, but I don't care what you think. They're my rules and they're very effective. Align yourselves against me, form coalitions to stop me, and you'll feel just how effective these rules can be. And tonight, for my first title defense, 
I've chosen primetime television to demonstrate to the entire country, to the entire world, and especially to you, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. What happens to people who don't play by my rules? I'll show you all exactly the kind of reign I'll have and the kind of leader I'll be. Sergeant Slaughter, World Wrestling Federation Champion for life. And that's an order. Sergeant Slaughter, world champion for life. Um, that felt a lot different than a lot of the other promos we've seen on NBC over the years. A lot of them were on theme or they rhymed or they were over the top silly. Sometimes that didn't have any hint of any of that. Do you think NBC just wasn't as involved at this point in the promos or what say you? NBC wasn't involved at that point in the promos at all before either. That was okay. As far as the NBC show Saturday night's main event, the main event, that was a completely separate company that was a partnership with Dick and Vince. That wasn't NBC. NBC did not come in and produce those shows, nor did they have much say in those shows at all. That was a, a production company and that was a partnership with uh, Dick and Vince that, that they did. So all of that, all right. came from, Let me came from that production company. So same production company, same. There's a different writer on that. Okay. So that's what I was asking. I feel like we're splitting hairs. Let's pretend I didn't say NBC. Well, no, because you're saying the network had influence on that. The network didn't at all. It was, it was just a guy who worked for the network. Who did? No. Who, who worked for the network? Never saw didn't. No. Oh God. No. Okay. It didn't work for the network for. God, the, the entire time that we did Saturday night's main event, Dick didn't work for the network. Dick had left NBC at that time. Dick went back after the fact uh, to, to do the, uh, Olympics and to do NBC sports. He had worked for the network, but during that time he wasn't working for the network. He was the president of NBC sports in 1989. He was promoted to chairman of NBC sports in the Olympics in June of 98, 1998 This is 1991. Yeah. I'm saying he's the president of NBC sports in 89, 1989. Okay. But this was done with a separate company. I'm with you. Actually, I'm not arguing you know, that shit for all I know, Dick may not have even been involved in this one. I, I, well, maybe I believe, uh, his production company was no sleep productions. Is that right? The. His was no sleep. I forget what the combination was. Okay. And did all the editing at Beetlejuice until we opened up our stuff in 1988. Got it. But Sarge was an awesome fucking heel. Really? You like that? I didn't like that. It was a heel. He's a heel. It was a goddamn old school, old fashioned heel fucking promo. By the way, Slaughter won a purple or lavender or whatever color. I'm colorblind world championship belt from the ultimate warrior. And you can see that in some early promotional photos for WrestleMania seven others, you would see where they photoshopped the strap to be either blue or black. But when he comes to the ring here to defend against uh, hacksaw, he's got it on a black strap. 
we saw that famous winged Eagle world championship on lots of different colored straps over the years. Did you have a preference as to what your favorite was? Was it purple or blue or white or did you just like regular asshole black? I prefer black, but I like the white ones. Yeah. I liked it when warrior had all the different colors in the intercontinental championships. There's a lot of talk going into WrestleMania here about slaughter's rules and how Sarge could get himself disqualified or counted out to keep the title. Is this more of a, Hey, if you don't believe that that slaughter can actually beat Hulk Hogan, he can also keep the belt these other ways. Man, that was a hell of a bump there by slaughter. That looked nasty. Yeah. It looked a little painful. He should have held the rope. Maybe adfreeshows.com is the place to be. And not just because there are multiple pieces of content hitting your podcast stream daily. No, that's not it. Not just because you get to know on a one-to-one basis, guys like Jim Ross, Eric Bischoff, and Tony Schiavone. I mean, don't get me wrong. That's fantastic, but that's not it. Is it Medusa and AEW's very own Rebel? Well, no, but man, that's awesome too. It's all the exclusive content shows like X-Ray with Dr. Tom Pritchard. The Monday Mailbag with Mike Chioda and Gerald Briscoe. It's that fun show with Conrad's infamous chat group, The Sad News Bears. And I can't forget, Old Man Warner is a part of the family, and he's watching wrestling with your partner. That's right, your significant other watches wrestling with Mance, and he gives them his version of what's going on in an exclusive show we like to call Mance Splainin'. You ever spear somebody like that? Oh, no. Now, you paused there for a second. You had like you were thinking, should I say that I attacked somebody at the gas station one time because they were talking shit? So have you speared somebody or no? My husband. What, what did he do? Uh, Being a jerk like always. He was being a real some bitch out, out there talking shit? Oh, yeah. Well, next time, just hit him with like a chair, some, some bar, a barbed wire baseball bat. I'll get Silva to send y'all a weapon. You could use it all. We, we do have a, a barbed wire baseball bat. Where else are you going to find out your partner's weapon of choice when it's your time to go? So become part of the family now. Enjoy this and so many other outstanding shows and events. Make that decision and sign up today to join the fastest growing wrestling community over at adfreeshows.com. Uh, what say you slaughter's rules? I mean, we just heard a whole promo about his rules. Is that something you guys were trying to get over? What was Hulk's t-shirt? Hulk's Hulk rules. Yeah. Okay. You got to get hot about it. Well, no, that was, that was the thinking behind it was there was Hulk's rules. There were slaughter's rules. You got any good chic Adnan stories or general Adnan. We haven't talked about Adnan much here on the show. Yeah. He was a hell of a shooter back in his day. And he was Billy White Wolf. He, he portrayed a, a Native American for most of his career. And the fact that, you know, he was uh, from Iraq was no one really knew for, for many years, I guess, those inside. But the the general wrestling population looked at him. He was Billy White Wolf. Um, I know there was, there was a time that... Um, during all this, when there was a lot during the war and during the, the battles and everything that uh, Adnan lost some family 
and was very upset. And he and Shawn Michaels got into a little altercation backstage, quickly got pulled apart. But it was, you know, again, it goes back to the ignorance sometimes of people that because someone, you know, looks a certain way or comes from a certain country that you think that they uh, inhabit all the thinking and and all the attributes of, of the bad. And uh, Adnan happened to be Iraqi. Uh, yes, he did, actually. Saddam Hussein, they grew up together as children long before uh, Saddam took power. And I think in, in the world view, I don't know that Saddam was you know this evil person until much later. But um, Adnan was a hell of a shooter and, and a hell of a talent in his day. I think he spent most of most of his career, um, kind of in the Midwest and through Chicago and Bernganya's area. And I think he did a stint, might've done a stint in WWF. I don't know. I know Jewel Strongbow did with Jay, but, um, very nice man. What do you think of the, uh, the curly toe boots? I've always loved those. <laughs> Yeah, from the original Sheik, Eddie Farhat. Um, it, it just, you know, it, it was nice, interesting. I never got it. I guess, what is it? The um, There was a cartoon character, Aladdin, that had the curled up toes and, and the shoes and everything. That's what I always likened it to. Never really got it, but hey. But, but hey, man, Sarge had some heat here. Everything he did. Yeah. I mean, there's no doubt he's getting heat, uh, a random newsletter writer from California. Cause I can't say his name. Cause you just get fired up says slaughter's offense still looks terrible, but he took three incredible bumps during the match. Not much can be said about Duggan's other than he's been worse. Hogan came out with Duggan, but was ordered back to the dressing room. Since he's not a manager, Sarge was DQ'd for using a chair. He kept hitting Duggan with a chair as Adnan kept the ref from intervening until Hogan came down the aisle. But Sarge hit him with a chair and took off a star and a half. What, oh my gosh. Still, Did you see Holy that? shit. That's a major bump right there, bud. That was a major bump. Holy that was incredible. Sarge, so right now we're calling for that replay. Where is it? Where's that damn replay? No kidding, dude. Sarge knew he was on uh broadcast TV in prime time. Oh, he did <laughs> He's doing his best Mick Foley. Holy shit. Well, Sarge liked that bump. He liked taking that bump in the corner over the top. Not like that. I don't think, um, usually he's got the, uh, apron there to break his fall a little bit, but, uh, that was that God damn. That was a little scary, man. Here comes the chair. See Howard Finkel just handed him that chair. Oh, right over the head. That's going to get the bell. Oh boy. That's got to be a disqualification there, Connie. Yep. Got to be. Who's the guy wearing the headset right there? Who, Mark Eaton? I thought that was him. I wanted to make sure. It's hard to believe he was with the company that long. My gosh. Pretty terrible looking chair shots now. But that first one looked good, but that was not so much. Oh, man. He's got the little stick gimmick. Oh, no, not that. Because definitely, <laughs> because definitely the leather riding crop will hurt a lot more than the chair. And frankly, it does. Oh, for sure. I mean, you, you know, know, when you get hit with the little leather riding crop, you know what that's like. Or you usually suspended 
with ropes from the ceiling when you use yours, right? Uh, the ceiling thing, man. Oh, that's not your deal anymore. No, no. Did you what? put yours on like a suction cup in the shower or something like that? What in the fuck are you talking about? I don't know. Just trying to make conversation. Our referee, Joey, uh, your man, Joey Morella, he left us way, way too soon. Of course, the real life son of gorilla monsoon, kind of good Joey stories you can share with us. Oh my God. You know, Joey was always wanted to be a baseball player and Joey had a bad shoulder and just felt that his, had he not fucked up his shoulder, that he would have been a a million dollar, um, right arm pitcher and would, after a few drinks, he would let the entire world know it. (laughs) I think that he begrudgingly, you know, kind of resented that for years that, that he had that injury and that he was, was working as a referee and going up and down the roads instead of, uh, going up and down the roads, playing baseball. The Baltimore sun would report around this time that Bob Costas had become the first celebrity to withdraw from WrestleMania seven. He would say he didn't think it would be in the best of taste. Uh, oh, and man, up next, we got the Legion of Doom and the Orient Express. Boy, this is probably going to go poorly for the Orient Express. Um, and here they come. Like, I love their music, though. Let's play a little bit. Orient Express into the square circle. That's Kato on the left, Tanaka on the right. Standing by right now, Mean Gene. He's with the Legion of Doom. All right, we're just moments away from a test that will determine just how Japanese imports stack up against these American products. The Legion of Doom. Animal. Listen, Mean Gene. We're sick of all. I like when their haircuts are interchangeable, though. No, I like it. It's like they plug into each other. How how about uh, Mean Gene saying right here, too, these Japanese imports are going to be taking on these American-made products. Um We're really doubling down on nationality here. I love this era of LOD. We've talked about it before. I know a lot of people who listen to the show think that demolition was a ripoff. I always thought these guys were a ripoff because I was a WWF kid and I grew up on demolition, but then other people hate this cartoonish presentation of the LOD. They prefer the old black shoulder pads and and Chrome spikes. I kind of like the red ones with the black spikes. What about you? You're old school. Did you have a preference one way or the other? Yeah, I, I like these because they're more colorful, but they had these when they worked before they came back, came to us. They had these in NWA, didn't they? No. Well, they had different colored ones. They had silver ones and different shit. They yeah. did have different colored spikes. Yeah, they definitely, they definitely tried a chrome, a chrome pair for sure. Yeah. And then obviously when they went back to WCW, they would even try some blue ones. But this set right here, man, that's one of the things I, I kind of regret. I wish I would have been able to get a set of those. That would have been cool. Uh, so let's talk about the Orient express, a really great tag team. Of course, Pat Tanaka had some interchangeable tag opponents at different times. Did you prefer the Paul diamond version or not so much? I, you know, I thought that the, as far as work goes, I thought the Paul diamond, uh, pairing here was better than the Sato because Sato was on the other side of his career at that point. And I don't think that, uh, Sato really, Sato really had that many bumps left in him. So I, I thought that Paul coming in really helped this team and Paul and, uh, Pat 
just really work great together. Uh, this match is going to go five minutes and 11 seconds. Meltzer would say for what it was, this was a very good one-sided match. The Orients took one great bump after another in this fast paced, but not very competitive match. The only real offense, which was short-lived came after Mr. Fuji through salt and animals eyes. Kato seems to have been eating his vitamins as he's a lot larger than before. Finish saw Hawk pin Kato after the clothesline off the top. And it is a spectacular looking bump three and a quarter stars. The Orient Express in this era, we're having some badass matches, man. We just talked about the match with the rockers at the Royal rumble. I mean, they were a pretty underrated tag team. Wouldn't you agree? They were the guys that you could put in a match with pretty much anybody and know that at the end of the day, that it was going to be one of the show stealers on the, on the card. Um, again, Pat and Paul both worked their asses off and Pat Tanaka was just a human highlight reel with everything that he did during those days. And Pat, even at this point in his career was a great teacher and someone that could explain psychology and, and help guys with their work and why they do certain things. Um, Pat Tanaka to me, highly underrated. Totally agree. One of the more unsung heroes of wrestling, wrestling barefoot too. Well, because in Japan, you got to go barefoot, toughen up your feet. Everybody knows that. Oh, everybody knows that. Yeah. Uh, Hey, so after all this push you've given tugboat over the last year, of course, the whole let's let's write the Hulkster some happy notes and make him feel good campaign. And now even here in primetime TV, he's not even on the WrestleMania seven card. I just feel bad for tugboat. You do. I do because it's like, man, he was supposed to have some plans and now he ain't got shit. Well, you know what, Conrad, sometimes it happens. Have you ever had that where you had high hopes for someone coming into the office? that was going to be a million dollar producer. And then they just went, well, but that wasn't tugboat's fault. It was, I mean, it was a shit character. You well, it wasn't their fault either. Okay, cool. Hey, so, uh, Bob Costas pulling out. Do you remember that being anything worth even discussing? I mean, Regis Feldman's still there. Willie Nelson's still there. You still got celebrities, but when he pulls out, does it even warrant a conversation? Not really, because again, no one else, no one else really did. And there were actually people coming forward that, that wanted to do stuff. So, um, you know, I've always, always, I've always gotten along with Bob. Um, but Bob can be, <laughs> and I've learned this after, you know, many years, Bob can be a little holier than thou sometimes, really? but he's always been extremely nice to me. Let's talk a little bit about, uh, NBC because they have a guy named Paul McGuire who is allegedly going to be participating at WrestleMania seven because you're experimenting with instant replay. I realize that sounds kind of hokey and silly in hindsight, but to add context to this instant replay was becoming a thing in sports and it was a rather controversial thing. Do we trust the referees call as we always have and keep with tradition, or do we utilize some of this technology? And we're about to see the big salt spot and not too long after that, we'll see the finish. Anyway, um, Meltzer would write NBC's Paul McGuire is still going to be at WrestleMania seven. And, uh, there's a mention of something that's uh, an NBC spokesperson that I think is going to make you happy. Here's what's written quote. I don't understand why people are suddenly up in arms. An NBC spokesperson said of McGuire's involvement quote, people have to understand the atmosphere. This is all perpetuated in 
They should know it's nothing but entertainment. I won't justify the way the WWF is promoting WrestleMania seven, but pro wrestling has always made fun of blacks, Arabs, women, and rednecks to name a few. So they're saying it starts like, come on guys, it's fantasy. But then it finishes with, Hey, they shit on everything. (laughs) I just, uh, that took a hard right turn. Did it not? Well, yeah, I completely disagree, disagree completely with the last sentence. Of course. You know, that's the, the media elite. Let me mention too. We've got, uh, a whole episode on WrestleMania seven available in the archives over at something to wrestle.com. And we're about to see one hell of a bump here. Do you remember anybody in the company not wanting to take this fit? I mean, I'm sure nobody wanted to take the finish, but it became like a, a heated issue, whether or not they were going to take the old doomsday device. No, not that I can think of. I mean, it was the only, the only guys that I know that ever got hurt were, was Henry Godwin. Uh, there, there may have been others, but for the most part, well, uh, Mike and Joe took pretty good care of everybody. At least tried to, it just looked, oh, it looked devastating. Horrible. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, ma- I'd much rather take that than warrior's clothesline. Do you own or rent your home? Sure you do. And I bet it can be hard work. You know, what's easy bundling policies with Geico. Geico makes it easy to bundle your homeowners or renter insurance along with your auto policy. It's a good thing too, because you already have so much to do around your home. Go to Geico.com, get a quote and see how much you could save. It's Geico easy. Visit Geico.com today. That's Geico.com. Uh, also in this article, we, we dug up and said that there were plans for Roseanne to appear at WrestleMania seven for whatever reason that didn't materialize. Was it ever discussed or is this all rumor and innuendo? There were never any plans. I know it was discussed. But there, by the time that we got there, um, I don't know if Tom Arnold was with her yet or not, but she was kind of a little outspoken, a little flaky. Let's talk about the match. We just saw, uh, Sterling Pingree says Chris Jericho is called LOD's match here with the Orient express on this show. The greatest squash match in history. What say you? <laughs> I thought it was a hell of a match. I didn't look at it is a squash match. I thought it was one hell of a match with two great teams. Craig Como says, how sore was the Orient express after their match with LOD? Holy shit. It looked like LOD just beat the hell out of them. Well, that's a sign of two great workers and Paul diamond and Pat Tanaka. You make it look great guys. Steve hates wrestling says, what's the story with replacing Sato with Cato in the Orient express. Do you remember how that came to be? Yeah, Sato was retiring, didn't want to work anymore. Kevin Dern says Legion of Doom was featured heavily here. Uh, was there talk of having them win the titles at WrestleMania seven? A match against the Hearts would have been amazing. I think that, you know, the plan always was to eventually get the championships on Le- Legion of Doom. Why not Mania though? Because as it was, the Hearts had like a couple second squash against the Bolsheviks, I think. I I don't think that, and you know what? I don't know that that match would have been that good. Yeah. Baby face, baby face. You mean? Yeah. And, and the styles just completely clash. That's true. So we got Jack Tunney in the ring being interviewed by, uh, mean Gene Okerlund. And he's going to announce who will be challenging Sergeant Slaughter for the world title. 
at WrestleMania and they announce it's Hulk Hogan and it gets a big pop. I realize that sounds a little silly, but back in this era, just because you won the Royal rumble didn't mean you were getting a title shot. That would be implemented years later. Here's yet another promo from Sergeant Slaughter. Sean Mooney's the stick man. Let's track it. What up cheer puke face because they won't be cheering long. Hogan has never faced an opponent like me before. I'll stop at nothing to defend what's mine. I'll stoop to depth lower than anything Hogan or his pukemaniacs could ever imagine. They'll have no stomach for true conflict. And that's why they'll never savor the true taste of victory over Sergeant Slaughter. You see, Hogan, this is my belt. And I don't have to share with anybody. I don't care if public sentiment is in your favor. Let the public be damned. Because you and all your pukemaniacs are nothing but infidels. And the only terms acceptable to me will be your unconditional surrender. And Hulk Hogan, that you immortal slime is an order. We're back in the arena. Standing by. Back there said just. Wait, say again. All the pinup notes in the back of the interview. Oh, yeah. What did it say? I don't know what they said. I don't know if it was like lost dog or what. It would have been. <laughs> it always tickled me that you would have all these pinup notes back there. But now the Hulkster's talking, brother. Hulk Hogan here is still the biggest star in wrestling. Who would you say is in the number two spot here in February of 91? Who's the second biggest star in wrestling? Um, well, to me, still a uh, macho man, but the guy that was going to be number two and that was kind of being positioned as number two was warrior. We knew that Randy, Randy was going away, uh, after WrestleMania and he was going to, you know, sprinkle the macho dust on, on warrior and warrior was being positioned for that number two spot. Hulk Hogan. And main gene, this is about as iconic WWF as you can get, right? Absolutely. And you know, when you think about just what made Hulkamania and you go back in time, I don't know that look, it would have it would have made it, but I think that Mean Gene was such an integral part of everything that the Hulkster did. Yeah, I mean he was like his his uh if Hogan's, you know, driving the Harley, Mean Gene's in the sidecar. Absolutely. Giving him directions in this era. What was the, the promo process? Like, I mean, I know you're not walking around handing somebody, you know, uh, a sheet of paper with highlights and bold and italicized and staples. Is it just bullet points? I mean, who's producing? You got three minutes, kid. There you Show go. the main event. Who would have been the agents? Uh, if you had to guess in 1991, like was, I'm sure Pat was around. Maybe Blackjack Lanza was around. Who else was around? Yeah, uh, Lanza. I think Strongbow was still around. Um, yeah, Strongbow was definitely around. Um, Lanza, uh, 
Gurria, Jim Myers. Gurria, yeah. Tell everybody who Jim Myers was. Nice. George <laughs> the Animal Steel. Nice. <laughs> Mine. Yeah. Would Skyland have still been around here? Arnie Skolan? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but Arnie. <laughs> yeah, he's funny when Arnie. Oh, Arnie was an agent or a producer. Arnie was the money guy. Arnie came and Arnie would, would work with uh, the building in the back and do stuff. Arnie, I don't think, laid out a match his entire career. Other than give a thumbs up or a thumbs down. Right. On orders of somebody else because Arnie didn't want that responsibility. I know you don't remember exactly, but. How long do you think a taping day like this would have been where you're not just taping main event, but you're taping a series of other shows as well. Would this have been a, a four hour show, a six hour oh, easily. show? Yeah. Okay. Four, four and a half hours. Well, Long motherfucking time. And I assume it's not necessarily taped in order. You're going to try to position it in a way where you're going to get the best reaction from the crowd, right? Well, obviously when you're live Conrad, you got to do it in order. Live, listen to you. Live, when you're live, you got to do it in order. Uh, can't tape out of sequence. But uh, no, you try to tape in, se- in sequence if you can. Just as It's just as easier for flow for everybody. Are we just going to ignore the fact that he just gave the Pledge of Allegiance in the middle of the ring? God bless America. One nation under God. Indivisible with liberty and justice for all. I know, I know you feel like you sometimes have to come on here and defend and I get that, but Dude, you, I love our country. I'm pissed off that they don't do the pledge of allegiance in schools. Now I'm not talking about that. I mean, right now waving the flag and this is how we're going off the air and all that. If you had all this angle to do over again, would you, do you think? I don't know if I'd do the whole angle over again, based on what we know today, that's hindsight 2020, but being ended at the, at the time and you, you do what has worked in the past and you do what you think is right at the time. And that's what we thought was right at the time. Um, it's, it's real easy to look at it, you know, in hindsight and go, Oh, well look at all these things that happened. Why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? Well, cause we didn't have a crystal ball that told us the future. Right. And consistently when you look at our country and, and the patriotism, we've always mirrored that we've always gone to that because it is an easy sentiment to tap into and back in the day people loved their country and they were proud to chant usa and they were proud to chant and root for someone that represented them in their country i mean it was so much so that you would go to international destinations and and a hacksaw jim duggan would uh have usa chants in france the fuck was that well, I think that was, uh, you giving me the Iggy that we're ready to wind down. That's going to do it for this week's edition of something to wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Of course, next week, we're going to be back your way. And I'm pretty excited about this because we've had a lot of requests over the years. We're doing a profile on Trish Stratus, one of the biggest stars in the history of WWE. We're going to pay homage to her next week. The following week, we're going to talk about when the WWE went back to network TV it's the return of Saturday night's main event on March 18th, 2006 on March 19th. We'll be back talking about the undertakers, 1998 and 1999. We'll wrap up the month of March with WrestleMania 12 on March 26th. 
And then on April 2nd, we'll be back to hit WrestleMania 22. So a couple of WrestleManias in the chamber locked and loaded, but next week, Trish Stratus, what do you think we might talk about Bruce? Well, I think that when you go back and you look at Trisha's journey here, it was a little different than most. Uh, and I think that people have one view of Trish that is not entirely accurate and how Trish came to us and what she put into um, actually becoming a star here. And it was it was not an easy road for Trish, but she kept fighting because it was a dream of hers that she realized and she busted her ass to, to get to that point. I think that she's one of the greatest um, women that we have ever had perform. So she's an incredible, incredible performer. And she's coming your way next week right here on Something to Wrestle With, Bruce Pritchard. This is where you say Rock that. on. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, listen up. You want 50 grand? That's right. You heard me. You want 50 grand? Go to savewithconrad.com. Don't take my word for it. Just check out Cassidy in Odessa, Florida. Cassidy left us a five-star review and wrote, everything that Conrad says in his ads are 100% true. Our experience with Jimmy, Jennifer, and Steve couldn't have been better. We moved into our house a little over a year ago and weren't sure if refinancing was even a worthwhile experience. Come to find out, we were able to have a similar monthly payment, a lower interest rate, and less years on the loan. Assuming we stay in this house, we'll pay our house off four years earlier and save about $50,000. I really think about that. How much is your house payment? You know, to the penny now multiply it by 48. That's how much they saved. How much can you save? Find out right now for free. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket, but I'm telling you, if you're in a 30 year loan, it's not a matter of if I can save you money. It's a matter of how much. And I really want you to think about what the end of your loan looks like. See, most of us don't do that. We just go ahead and say, well, I can afford the monthly payment. Yeah, you can right now, but can you imagine you at 70 years old? Because if you're 40 years old and you start a new 30 year loan today, you'll be 70 before you pay it off. Don't do that. Get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments. Let's make sure you retire on time by retiring your debt early. Find out how easy it is at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. So what are you waiting for? We're licensed in more than 40 states. If I can't save you some cash, I won't waste your time. Let us run the numbers for you right now. Give yourself the peace of mind of knowing you've got the best deal possible for your family. Thanks to my family at First Family Mortgage. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? That's right. You can skip your next two house payments at SaveWithConrad.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> Those Weekend Golf Guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.